They fly, they fly, they fly. Explaining the outrage, racist history of American blackface began in 1830s. Um, and this was just written on February 4th. Now, I, I want to point out that when I say Gucci is, is, is realigning themselves with their base, Gucci is doing this during Black History Month. Are you aware of that, brother? Oh, I didn't even thought. Wow, I hadn't made that connection. They're hadn't made that connection. They're doing this to make a statement. Doing, you know, there are no strange happenings. Law governs all of this. There are no strange happenings. Law governs all of this. Stay fly, stay fly. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. The views expressed on the Fly Guy Podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy Podcast are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Arnie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vaughner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. So, Chrome Snatcher, the pilot seat is yours, my brother. Go ahead. So, I am your brother, Crumb, and I, uh, I usually don't deal with the topic of the day, but it seems like everybody's talking about, um, blackface. So, Gucci came out with a, uh, sweater, and it was kind of like an extra long turtleneck. The lips had, uh, red around it, you know, like the, uh, symbol character. That's it right there in the middle. Blackface didn't end in the 1980s. <laughs> Craziness. Craziness. Now, it's important to note, Gucci has apologized and taken this sweater off the, uh, the, uh, the market. However, um, if you go and look on eBay, this sweater is selling uh, as a collector's item for big money right now. Really big money. Uh, and I think, you know, what this is saying from Gucci is that, you know, we understand where uh, where we have kind of transitioned from the white market to the black market and we need to reconfirm our alliances with our white base and you know um, not only was Gucci's stock not affected by this blatant offensive racism their stocks are doing just fine right now in addition to that uh you know, they've realigned, you know, they, they've re-energized their, their roots because when we look now, now the thing about this that really caught my attention is when T, no, I'm sorry, not even when T.I. spoke on it. When T.I. spoke on it, I kind of just really didn't pay attention to it. But more recently, um, um, what's the boxer name who's illiterate, but he's super rich and he's fast? Uh, Mayfield, Mayfield. Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. That's right. So um, Mayweather was just spotted outside of the uh, Gucci store. And they asked him, uh, didn't he care about Gucci being so racist and this and this and that, yada, yada, yada. And he said, look, man, that's all a, a fad and a trend just to get you to 
focus on this or focus on that. But the reality is that when we're dealing with, um, right, may, you know, and, and you see 23 hours ago, right there in the middle, uh, second, right there, 23 hours ago, Mayweather caught shopping uh, at uh, Gucci. Uh, he says he loves everybody. Mayweather said he loves everybody. Now, you know, um, that's what really caught my attention. So after uh, they they had uh, busted Mayweather, Mayweather brought on Brother Polite. Did you see the video with him and Brother Polite? No. Well, um, I guess Mayweather's trying to do damage control or he's trying to get one of the people he works with um, based off of the conscious community because, you know, like Black Twitter and our family is giving him a hard time. So he, he brings Brother Polite on to kind of help smooth things over and him and Brother Polite kind of bump heads. Brother Polite, you know, is kind of like, um, I'll support you, you know, because you have a black business. And then he kind of cut Polite off like, look, it ain't even about that. You know, it's that I'm friends with everybody. I love everybody. And it was really... Um, it was on Twitter, but it's hard to say where it came from. But both of them, I think they were both standing in front of the, the Gucci store. They were inside the Gucci store. I don't know. They were in some store, him and Polite. But nonetheless, um, um, you know, it went from Polite going backwards to uh, 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 Mayweather. Prior to Mayweather, it was on T.I., you know, who, who, who really spoke on it. And they asked T.I., they said, T.I., you know, what are you going to do with, with, with the Gucci that you have now? Because T.I. was one of the rappers who took a very strong position against uh, Gucci. And, you know, when they pulled Mayweather to the side, they said, hey, you didn't hear what Gucci, uh, T.I., Soulja Boy, and others called for Gucci boycott after blackface. Most notable self-professed seven-figure-a-year uh, customer, T.I., uh, who took... Uh, to Instagram to not only tear Gucci a new a-hole, but to also announce some other stuff here nor there. Um, so, you know, we see T.I. taking a real big stand. So that's when um, Mayweather got called out, say, hey, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, how uh, these these people did blackface. Are you still going to support them? And um, uh, I think even though Money Mayweather, uh, 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 Floyd Money Mayweather still... Um, is a coon, you know, and that's what I'm going to call him. He had a bigger point that I kind of understand is that this whole thing with blackface isn't really anything new. When we're dealing with blackface, every single year in Peru and Spain, they have a blackface festival. Every single year in Peru, Spain, and a lot of these uh, countries, they have a blackface festival. And some of these blackface festivals, you're going to see them with fezes on, saying, you know, this is a racism. We're giving uh, respect to the Moors and uh, uh, festival. There it is. There it is. But I think that's only one um, hold on, let me see, can I see if I can read this Peru Mistura blackface statues uh, alright, so those are statues but if I go and look it up here, let me see if I can um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Um, news. Blackface in Spain. Uh, uh, blackface in Spain, but um, instead of hitting images, hit news. Um, and you're going to see uh, their festival. Explaining the outrage, racist history of American blackface began. Um, uh, blackface ministry is considered some of the, uh, to be the most first uniquely Explaining the outrage, racist history of American blackface began in 1830s. Um, and this was just written on February 4th. Now, I, I want to point out that when I say Gucci is 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 realigning themselves with their base, Gucci is doing this during Black History Month. Are you aware of that, brother? <laughs> oh, I didn't even thought. Wow, I hadn't made that connection. I hadn't made that connection. They're doing this to make a statement. Doing, you know... There are no strange happenings. Law governs all events. This is, in Gucci's thoughts, the perfect timing to take a shot at these people, uh, you know, doing Black History Month. Um, uh, what does it say? Uh, 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 demonstrators gather outside the governor's mansion in Richmond, Virginia on Monday to urge Governor Ralph Northam to resign. Why are they asking Ralph Northam to resign? Blackface... Uh, Minstrels is considered by some to be the first uniquely American form of entertainment. It began, it became immensely popular in the 1830s, but it was condemned as offensive from the start. So what they're talking about, uh, um, not only is the history, but this whole thing with Gucci came on the heels of Governor Ralph Northam, his, uh, his medical college yearbook, I think he bought a page in his yearbook and on the page that he bought, well, it was two pages. You know, his section of the yearbook, he has a, several different pictures of himself. And what pictures, we can't officially confirm that it is, it is him because the face is covered, but this whole Gucci thing came on the heels of another blackface where uh, 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 Governor Ralph Northam um, is... Um, uh, uh, uncovered for having blackface in his yearbook. So now we're seeing uh, 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 not just one instant of blackface. We're seeing <clears throat> during Black History Month, they're really, you know, it's it's kind of like um, one time there was a uh, there was a um, this whole thing on. Twitter, I believe it was, where um, white people were, were texting, I'm sorry, excuse me, tweeting, uh, happy uh, Martin Luther King's birthday. But uh, they were having a, uh, they were spelling it wrong, and who knows, was it on purpose or not? Happy Dr. Martin Luther Coon Day. But they weren't doing this as being racist. It was supposed to genuinely be an accident. They didn't know any better, as if they're so blind to this racial stigma. Now, you know, what's interesting that you bring that situation up because you know there was a newscaster who did the same thing where he said Martin Luther Coon Day and he was a newscaster and uh, he was lambasted for that situation as well. So when it starts happening so frequently, yeah. Brother, do you remember uh, H&M? Coolest monkey in the jungle? <laughs> 
Check. The mother and father got a paycheck, and they said we don't see a problem. We don't see a problem with that. Be <laughs> in the jungle, H and M. So you know, with these brands that have made these over covertly, I don't know. Some may call it covert, some may call it overt. Um, but you know, this 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 uh, brand of racism that is somewhat coy. It's somewhat subtle. But it's still, you know, wah, it's still there. They're, they're, they finesse their racism. They've gone from the lynching era to a whole new, uh, a, a, a smoother uh, brand of um, poison. You know, pick your poison. What are you going to have? Cavarsier? Or you're going to have some brandy? They've got a, a smoother brand of racism that has been somewhat perfected. And we're seeing that within these, um, these, uh, supposedly uh, innocent uh, issues. You know, we saw the same thing with Prada and they had those purses that had the blackface monkey up there. Prada? Okay, okay. You know, okay. So it, it wasn't just Gucci. That's it. Prada accused of racism. Today's show. And, 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 and you know, this was something, you know, they took off the shelf. But again, you go on um, eBay right now, that purse, that purse, it costs more on eBay because it's a collector's item now. You can't buy that anymore. All and right, so if, if you overtly practice uh, defaming others, then your value increases if the people you're defaming are people of African descent. Yes, and now there's controversy around the brand. You know, um, not to take any shots at anyone, but when we say black buying power, you ever heard people say, oh, black people have a trillion dollar buying power? Right. You know, this is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as buying power. If you have the power, you don't buy. If you buy, you don't have power. So, you know, <laughs> we don't have owning power. We have buying power. So once you buy, hurry up and buy. You remember that? Hurry up and buy. Right. You know, you buy and then you go. After you give them the money, you get out of the store. You leave. They have your money. You're, you know, you know, we don't have uh, buying power, you know. They have, they don't have, we don't, we never talk about Mexican, Mexican buying, buying power. We never talk about Asian buying power, Arab buying power, because these people don't focus on buying. They focus on owning, you know, their power comes through their, their, uh, their commerce and their economic system. So, you know, uh, uh, um, we, we use this so-called buying power to, to uh, put money into the hands of these people who, um, who are, uh, show us that this buying power means nothing. So yes, you do have buying power. You uh, have made uh, Gucci you know, that, that, that much more relevant because keep in mind we are the trendsetters. We're the trendsetters. So whatever we put our money into and, 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 and let's be clear, our people have a strong uh, 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 sense of brand loyalty. 
a person who smoked Marlboros isn't just going to go and smoke uh, Newports, vice versa. Our people are brand loyal to Newport cigarettes. Our people are brand loyal to Nikes. You know, we'll wear our Reeboks, but we're Nike people. We're going to wear those Jordans. I don't care how many times they come out. I'm going to buy them again. You know, we're going to buy uh, Lexuses and BMWs. I think it was Umar who said that um, uh, our people own the most uh, 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 BMWs in America. You know, so when we see this buying power, this buying power doesn't show any type of power. We haven't used this power on anything. The only time we saw this buying power come into effect was when Martin Luther King did the uh, Montgomery bus boycott. And at that point, they didn't exercise power through spending. They exercised power through not spending. You know, the interesting thing about the bus boycott that rarely is discussed is um, in Alabama, the city of Alabama almost went bankrupt. The city of Alabama almost went absolutely bankrupt because of the change in spending habits. And the reason that a lot of the civil rights legislation occurred was to prevent bankruptcy and to prevent other businesses from going out of business. And by allowing integration on a larger scale, it permitted us to lose power and others to gain power. And if I could add value to that, you know, um, at that particular time, Montgomery was the eighth largest uh, metropolitan city in America. At that particular time, we were we we weren't dealing with some small hillbilly town that took nothing to destroy their economy. We're dealing with a community uh, that had um, several huge viable sources of income, and these people were able to unravel the whole. This is basically the revealing of a house of cards. They revealed every card in the deck and pulled just one card, and the whole house of cards came falling down. Mm. So wow, what we're seeing with this buying power in reverse is where you know if we refrain versus okay, you know because um, we have this buying power, but we don't have any black businesses to exercise this buying power through. Okay, you guys have buying power, but you don't have a marketplace to buy in. So what does your buying power amount up to? And I think that's what we're seeing with this whole Gucci thing. They understand that, you know, we have been manipulated. Shortly thereafter, this civil rights and integration, there was a TV show on how to market to black people. Um, and and, and I, I think this video came out um, on the internet maybe a couple years ago. And, you know, it was a video from the 70s on, on, on teaching white people how to market to black people. Um, and, and it was done by a black-owned marketing firm. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> we gave somebody the tools for our destruction. That's that's. How to market? I want to say, yeah, I think it was in the 70s. It was, yeah, about the 70s. It was a video. And it, it's really intriguing 
Yeah, the secret of selling to the Negro was 54. 54? Yeah. The secret of selling to the Negro? Jeez. Right, right. And it was done. Now, the, the beautiful thing about it is it was a firm owned by melanated people that produced this. The It's, it's like the blessing and the curse. <laughs> it's like the blessing and the curse. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Johnson Publishing Company, production company. Okay. Okay. So, you know, Johnson, which is um, not not Ebony, but Jet. Ooh, teach. Jet, see? Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Johnson Publishing Company. There you go. There you have it. Oh, that's right. They did own Ebony and Jet. They owned Ebony and Jet at one point. Ebony and Jet. Okay, I, I, I see it in, in, in the highlighted portion. Good catch. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm a little older than you are, brother. So I do remember seeing this in the 80s. My father showed me a version of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. That's powerful. The sponsor issued a companion booklet offering the do's and don'ts of selling to the Negro. Oh, that was in the note. Right, right. And you you know that uh, one of the ways that Coca-Cola became, I mean, Pepsi-Cola became strong. One of the colas, Pepsi or Coca-Cola, uh, you know, they were fighting with each other. One of the ways they became stronger is they created a sales force of black men and these black men went to the various counties towns cities and they were able to start marketing heavily this cola and i i I, you know i don't want to misquote and say it was coca-cola when it was pepsi i do think it was coke i do think it was coke but i might be incorrect in saying that but it was one of the two and it was one of the ways that they were able to, um, you know, create their brand identity and to really take over. So, you know, we've been the backs, the economic back of the United States of America for as long as we've been struggling to become Americans. And I think that's such a great point because when we look at um, these companies, you know, um, in the spirit of Dr. Claude Anderson, you know, we're we're not shopping very, uh, you know, we're not savvy consumers. Not at all. When 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 we patronize, you know, the Pepsi's, the Cokes, the McDonald's, the Nikes, the um, you know, these different companies that 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 we you know, that have established themselves off of our dollar. You know, they look for these black dollars to keep their businesses running. Right. These companies have, you know, never give back to us as a community. You know, um, and I, I know we don't understand how that works. Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She was kind of banging. <laughs> you know me, man. You know, testosterone is still flowing, bro. <laughs> I didn't even see it running right then. Okay, okay. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that we've been the economic backbone of America, you know, since the enslavement of some of our African ancestors here in this country, um, the enslavement of our indigenous Africans who were here, uh, who kind of got melded in. You know, we know about the situation where some of our Moorish brothers ended up doing that um, that situation that was in South Carolina, North Carolina, when they were like, hey, we ain't like them. <laughs> you can't treat us the same way. Um, so my point is, ever since we've been here in the United States of America proper, we've been the economic background, backbone. And it's time that we start rethinking the way that we fiscally behave because you know when it comes to these people getting something from their from from these people that that these businesses they patronize you know um there's something called nepotism are you familiar with that term brother i am familiar with the term nepotism but for the benefit of our listeners why don't you give us a uh, your definition so a simple layman term is, you know, hiring family, staying within a circle, operating on a certain code or um, standard to where, um, you know, let's say um, you patronize my business. Right. You, your son turns 16, I hire your son. And, you know, uh, your daughter turns 16, I hire her. I hire my son, you know, because this is what we're going to see in those other communities where um, they're going to support certain businesses that will support them and their community back. Studies show that um, um, we are more uh, liable to hire our people. So if our people simply just shop black you know, why is it that when when we talk about certain brands, we see them with luxury and, you know, we, we shop with them, but we don't shop with our own. You know, we saw um, Rockaware, Sean John. These were all very, I think they were very um, urban, but, you know, they they weren't couture. Uh, let me just read this really quickly. Swat, the, the Swahili word, uh, Ujama means extended family, brotherhood or socialism as a political concept. It asserts that a person becomes a person through the people or community. Mm-hmm. You, Ujama. And I think that is a beautiful concept because, um, you know, we don't think in terms of community. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing with these um, uh, businesses that mock us. They take our money and then they make fun of us. Um, these these government officials who mock us, you know, they get our votes and then, you know, we find out, oh, well, he was a Democrat. Well, you know, surprise, family. The Democrats are racist, too. We don't have to put this all out there. Um, so, you know, when we're dealing with, uh, you know, blackface, you know, no matter what realm it, it is, it just, you know, points back to a lack of these uh, standards and principles that we have. Um, you know, like from what what we see with these seven principles of Kwanzaa. Um, now, I want to kick in because one of the things, you know, I, I've been a practitioner of the observation of Kwanzaa since 
1977 when my family really got heavily involved. And when we deal with the principle of Ujamaa or Ujama, uh, cooperative economics is to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and profit from them together. That does not say that we should only buy black or we should only support black-owned businesses. This is saying that we need to be business owners, business creators, and our community needs to benefit and profit from our efforts. So it's not the spending. It's not shop black. It's not be a consumer solely. That's not the focus. The focus is own something. And a lot of us who, you know, who tried to practice Ujama practice it from the consumer standpoint when the principle in its raw original form said to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and profit from them together. In other words, we need to be the producer, not the consumer. Not the consumer. We are a consumer-minded people. And as long as we perpetuate that ideology with things like black spending power, you know, we're simply going to be um, giving them our money and it's going to be a hurry up and buy. After we give you our money, then what? You take our money and do what you want with it. No right. rest. The concept of spending as, as, as some sort of accomplishment. You know, it's, 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 it's our lack thereof um, uh, that is going to get us somewhere versus going out here and, you know, participating in um, uh, Christmas, participating in Black Friday. If our children, I'm sorry, if our parents, if a parent gave their children Christmas every single year from birth to 18 and then sent, sent them out there to beg for a job, they failed the child as a parent. Let me say that one more time. Uh, or, let me clap for you. Let me clap for you first. I'll say it again. If a if if a parent has given their child Christmas for 18 years then goes and sends that child out to beg for a job, the parent has failed the child. Instead of investing every single year at this particular time of the year where we spend boatloads of money, you know, um, there's a term called in the red and in the black. You know, and when we're doing when we're dealing with businesses, you know, as as regular workers, you know, we pay taxes yearly. Businesses, businesses pay taxes every quarter. You know, we pay taxes every twelve months. Businesses pay taxes every three months. So then they pay four times a year. So they're going to do their uh their four quarters within their fiscal year. So within their four quarters, the first three quarters, they're in the red, brother. They're in the red. They finally get out the red and get into the black during uh, the holiday season when we as a people use our black buying power to help get Gucci to the next level. Um, Timberland, um, Okay, matter of fact, and 
So just recently, uh, our brother uh, down in Atlanta, Killer Mike, did a Netflix um, series. And it's on Netflix right now. It's called uh, um, Trigger Warning. Trigger Warning. It's called Trigger Warning. And uh, I think he has like maybe five episodes to his series. It's not a lot, but each episode is jam-packed with some powerful concepts to push our people forward. And what we're seeing here is um, uh, Crip-A-Cola and Blood Pop. Crip-A-Cola and Blood Pop. So uh, Killer Mike had got these two gangs because... You know, when we talk about white gangs, even though we don't have a lot of them anymore, we still have the Hells Angels. Hells Angels have been in some shootouts. They've killed people. It's been some dangerous things that happened in terms of They've actually, they've actually uh, killed police officers. That's right. And you can go and purchase a Hells Angels shirt. You know, so this is where we see a gang has monetized itself. It's franchised. It's built a product. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it, it's built a brand. You know, when we're dealing with uh, Hell's Angels, they've even sued uh, um, um, uh, companies for using their brand. They've sued Disney, they've sued MTV, they've sued a lot of different uh, uh, entities because Hell's Angels operates as, as, as an enterprise. When we're dealing with Bloods and Crips, these are brand names. I think we should make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the great things I found in Trigger Warning. And I think it has eight episodes. It might be seven. Uh, I think the first three, personally, I enjoyed the first three the best. Um, my family and I watched it together. We struggled through it. Uh, we talked about some of the concepts that he talked about. Um, but the end result is. He shared that there was a time when we act empowered and we were empowered and we've moved away from that trying to integrate. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, they, 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 the, now, um, if I could brag, I don't know if you were associated this with this, but his first episode that really caught me was he did a uh, buying black uh, sabbatical, if you will, you know, right. where, he bit, where he bought black for three days. Now, I right. know that, you know, this is not the first time somebody of stature has done this. There was a young lady by the name of Maggie Anderson. Have you heard of her before, brother? Oh, you, you remember we brought her here to the Hampton Roads area. You brought Maggie Anderson, who who made uh, My Black Year, uh, or I think it was something like that. Uh, Maggie Anderson speaks about research economic equality. Uh, Maggie Anderson. Yeah, 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 My Black Year. My, as a matter of fact, Our my wife Black and I Year. brought the book when she came to town. Our Black Year. So she did. Our Black Year. Yes, sir. She, she did what um, uh, uh, Killer Mike did. But he only did it for three days. She did it for 365 days. Salute the queen. Salute the Cuban queen, the Afro-Latina died. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Her parents were Cuban. 
okay, okay, okay. Yeah, her parents were Cuban, and uh, her parents told her, we just got off the boat a little sooner. <laughs> she's, and and uh, she's, she's motivated. Now she got the Janet Jackson thing going on right there. Yo, black don't crack, cause she's in the sixties, man. Black don't crack. Go ahead, salute that queen. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me get off my hormone trip. Um, yeah, but uh, three hundred sixty-five days, and she talked about how their family sometimes couldn't eat. They they went through some, you know, they went through some struggles, but they were able to do it. They were able to do it. Yeah. So it can be done. Our black year. That's it. That's it. So, not trying to say anything about Killer Mike in his new series Trigger Warning, but I watched it simply because he had a uh, a, a episode that was in the scope of what this sister did. Though his was a little bit ghetto, you know. And, but that was a part of his brand. He's more of a thug. But but sister uh, Maggie Anderson, she's more uh, cultured, refined, respectable. I think she has a PhD or something like that. She's she, she's school. Yeah, she uh, she's a very um, well. First of all, she's a very classy woman. Very classy. Uh, but uh, second of all, she's she's very intelligent. She's very uh, let me see. She went to Emory University. Um, okay. You know what? I, I don't. I, we're showing the picture now, so everybody can look up Maggie Anderson, and they. She has an excellent TED talk. Her oh, TED, talk, TED talk. Yeah, she has a TED talk called "My Black Year." So the book is "Our Black Year" because she did it with her entire family, her, her husband and her their children. Uh, but her TED talk is called "My Black Year." That's right. That's right. Very powerful. Um, so, you know, we we see where, you know, there are instances where our people have um, uh, taken a stand to buy black. But, you know, we're not going to see this uh, really affect people like Fendi, Prada and Gucci because we still have so many people in our community supporting them. However, if we were to get, to get maybe a Beyonce, you know, or, or a Nicki Minaj to just, you know, have a somewhat sort of a bra burning ceremony where they just say, say you know, we're going to take our uh, our Gucci purses and we're going to burn them, you know. Um, well, you know what? L- let me stop you on that because Talib Kweli in one of his songs said, never mind the leaders because the people keep fronting. Never mind the leaders because the people keep fronting. We shouldn't focus on the leaders. We need to focus on the people who really continue to front. We need to focus on the populace. Look, we don't need 10 millionaires to do the work that 35 million of us could do. You know, it's kind of interesting. We say that since you're successful, you need to do more because I'm not as successful as you are. So I don't have to do as much. When you look at in per capita 
per capita donations and per capita not spending um, support financial support very wealthy individuals donate a higher percentage of their income than low earning individuals now if everything was equal the wealthy individuals would give away 10%, maybe 15%, and the low-income people would give away 10% or 15%. And you say, hold up, hold They don't have a lot of money, so they can't give it away. The rich people have a lot of money, so what we expect people with more resources to do is to do more, and we expect people with less resources to do less. But the truth is, we can all do the same amount. Mm, that's right. And I definitely understand, you know, um, from a grassroots approach, it's the only way we're really going to win. Um, and I don't, I, I don't want to uh, put too much stock in a celebrity savior uh, because those mentalities tend to get us lost when these people, you know, are going to, you know, sell out for the right price. Um, so, you know, it, uh, the revolution will not be televised. We definitely have to do this um, from um, uh, the, the bottom up type of approach um, because, you know, we influence the world. The world doesn't influence us. We do things based on, I'm sorry, the world does things based off our culture. You know, we've seen the, the influence of hip hop. I remember when Jay-Z said, I don't wear jerseys, I'm 30 plus. Did you know when Jay-Z said that song, and, you know, in I change clothes and go, he said, I don't wear jerseys, I'm 30 plus. I think it was in a movie, Change the, TV, the, the our song Change Clothes. But after he said that, the commissioner of the NBA called him because jersey sales had fell 70 plus. And did you know um, that that marked the time when when uh, the jersey fad had uh, kind of vanished away? Remember back in the day, everybody was wearing those Mitchell and Ness throwback jerseys? Well, we said, Jay-Z said, I don't wear jerseys, I'm 30 plus. And that's when the culture changed. You know, it's interesting, and we can go back if we want to, you know, give a salute to some of our hip hoppers. Run DMC, Calvin Klein's no friend of mine, don't want nobody's name on my behind. I was like, whoa, okay, I got that. That, yo, when I heard that, that changed my whole mentality. And I said, okay, these people aren't helping me. Why am I supporting them? You know, I've learned a little bit about politics. Politics is truly quid pro quo. You do something to get something. And I'm seeing the economic quid pro quo in our activities now, too. So you want my money? You got to do something. All right. You want my money? You got to do something. And we need to. Well, you know, and I keep saying we. I don't believe anymore that all of us have to act collectively. I don't believe anymore that all of us have to act collectively because I've been around a lot of different communities and collectively the Jewish community, they really surround themselves about the people, uh, about their fellow, uh, the, the fellow synagogue members, you know, so they, they support within their synagogue. Now their numbers aren't as large, so it's a little easier 
But just think if people in their various churches said, I'm only going to financially interact with those in my church. And if our church doesn't have this particular item or service, we're going to train one of our people to develop a business and that item or service. Or if you said, hey, you know, I have a great extended family and I'm just going to spend 30% of my money within my extended family. So my cousin in Atlanta is an insurance agent. I'm getting my insurance from him. My cousin next uh, next city over is a dentist. So um, every three months he's going to come over here and he's going to take care of our family, you know, because we can't all drive over to his spot. You know, if in small groups, if we can affect change and then your family becomes financially stronger, you can set the precedence for generation after generation after generation. So when, you know, the Bible talks about a, um, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. If you can work on that, so you're making activity within your own family, then you can pass on generational wealth. And so they're doing community wealth. So it's not the entire this community is doing everything together. That's not the case. It's subgroups of that community. And what's interesting is, you remember the story of the prodigal son? Where the prodigal son is like, yo, pops, I'm out. I'm going to do my own thing. And when his own thing doesn't work out, he has something to come back to. We don't have as much for our prodigals to come back to. What What do you think about the term crossover? Like people say, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Hart crossed over or you reach a certain amount of success, you cross over. What do you, I, I, you know, I, I, I bring that up. It's kind of sort of a loaded question. I bring that up because when we see uh, this collectiveness, you know, there's a collective you know, European support for, you know, their stuff. Yeah, they may not have to um, operate collectively, but we see with these other um, people, uh, they, they, white people operate collectively on a, on a huge scale, you know, and, and they get everybody else to operate with them. When a white movie comes out, we all go and watch it. Well, that I, th- I think is really challenging to try to equate our situation to our white brethren. It's 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 almost impossible uh, for this reason. If you're the ruling class, then the class is being ruled can't be judged by the same norms. So when a uh, you called it a white movie comes out, I would just say that's a general movie. You know what I'm saying? That's a general movie. They're not saying we're going to make a film and only include white people, maybe have a couple of quote-unquote people of color in it. They're saying we're going to make a movie that's true to our experience. And in our experience, in these areas, like Friends, I used to watch Friends. You know, <laughs> yo, Phoebe, Phoebe was sexy. Oh, um, my point though is that was their experience. The only time they dealt with a black sister is when homeboy started dating her 
I can't I can't figure which one it was, but he was dating her for a short period of time. But in general, their whole experience was normally just with them. Now, um, Friends was made by Kelsey Grammer. Is that correct? E, I don't quote me on that. I can I can Google it, of course. Now, uh, Kelsey Grammer also made the black version of that, which was Girlfriends. Girlfriends. And, okay, you just, okay, yeah. To test the wrong joint right there, boy. <laughs> what? Tracy Ellis Ross. So that's when I fell in love with her. Diana all right, and who is the dark skin sister? Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, um, uh, she, uh, she was uh, what's her? The dark. Oh man, she was beautiful. She was gorgeous. She was smart. She was intelligent. She was everything. No, no, that's that's. Oh, Regine was actually Friends was based on Living Single. Living Single. Right. <laughs> Friends was based on Living Single, and. Girlfriends was based on friends. On friends. It was the black answer or whatever. Um, yeah. We do it first. They perfect it. We retry it. Right. <laughs> Rock and roll, same thing. Blues, same thing. I just you know. <laughs> amusing when you say that I'm... <laughs> It's not a white movie, it's just general. Like, oh, Friends wasn't white, it was just a general TV. That was Lily White. That was <laughs> and that was their that was their general experience. What I'm saying is a lot of things that people of African descent have done in America has been in response to being subjugated, um, isolated. And so we created our own because there was no representation, there was no opportunity. But what they saw is what they saw. So if you grew up white in New York City, it wasn't really in New York City. I can't think of what city it was in. Was in Boston? We one of them predominantly white cities. I, yes, sir. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> that was their experience. I, I mean, and. Okay, granted, and I understand that we're looking from two different perspectives. I just feel like, you know, when we're dealing with these um, corporations like Prada, Gucci, um, you know, who are just outwardly, you know, or, or even Ralph Northrum, who's just outwardly doing blackface. You know, or, you know, even when we're dealing with, uh, you know, because a, a lot of those a lot of those uh, brands come from Italy, you know, uh, but n- n- not to get too far from the original idea, if we um, operate together, because they operate together. Um, well, you know, for, for years, they had, they had legislation and they had cultural that prevented us from interacting with them. And what we're seeing now is the, as change has occurred, their rule, their ability to solely present themselves as the, uh, as being everything to be, uh, to be sought after is slowly moving away. So if we look at older films that were general, 
older TV shows with general, it didn't have a lot of diversity in it. We started doing our own thing, and then other people started saying, hey, look at what they're doing. We're not represented in this general film and this general media, so we're going to do our own thing too. So now we have BET, and then we have Telemundo. <laughs> and then we have the Filipino channel. And then we had an Asian channel. Oh, you know okay, 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 I follow you. I follow you. You see my point? Yeah. It, it, so, you know, so my point is, well, I, I, I made a lot of different points. Let's bring it back to blackface. We went from blackface to black economics. Yes, Ralph Northern in his college years and many other whites during their college years engaged in behavior that's egregious then and now we're going to hold them accountable for it because you were not empowered enough to hold them accountable for it years ago. Mm. What are we going to do with this moment of empowerment? Are we going to continue spending the way we are? Because we're, we're continually empowering somebody else. Facts. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Are we going to do what Ujamaa says and make sure that we have our own businesses, shops, and stores, and other ways of having legal enterprise so we can hire ourselves, hire whoever else we want to hire? We have something for our prodigal children to come back to when they come back. You know, think about it. You know, you don't say, you know, dad was a, let's say dad was a janitor. Mom was a teacher. The son acts a fool. When the son finally gets his act together, can they give them a job? Ooh, teach. Right, right, right. So... I think that we're in a really pivotal moment with those of us who are influencers, not leaders, not necessarily the leaders, but influencers, can influence the way that we behave so that we own more, we become less consumers, more producers. So we're not worried about red bottom shoes. You know, we're, unless we're building and manufacturing the shoes. That's right. We, we, we got to have a stake somewhere in there. Definitely have a stake somewhere in there for it to make sense. And right now, we, we're we not doing that on, on any level. And they're able to do these things to make a mockery of, of, of our support for them. All right. Now, I wouldn't say on any level. I would say we're not doing it on a grand level. All right, all right. So, how do we handle? You and I are gonna we're gonna brainstorm right now. Gucci made their apology. Gucci said, "Oh, we didn't know it was going to have this effect. We didn't want to hurt anybody." What do we do with Gucci now? Well, for the amount of money that we've put into Gucci, you know, I think. An apology at this point uh, isn't really 
uh, something significant enough to uh, to uh, justify us continuing to build their business. We need to look for some, you know, when, when these companies support their um, their uh, uh, communities, they they do it in a way where you can see serious results. And I think that's something we we really need to see, you know, not only in terms of like you know we talk about earlier was nepotism. When 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 we go and look at all the people who own these record companies that uh, make their money money off off of black entertainment, you know, Def Jam is all white. Uh, BET soon you know is all white, you know, and. Um, we're seeing where a people, you know, don't have uh, 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 anything coming back from the people that we, uh, the businesses that we have made great, you know. So, uh, um, Hershey Park, Hershey had gave a park to their community. I think Hershey Park, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Hershey is based in Pennsylvania. And they gave back to the to the place where they are based out of by building them a park. Um, and this is where we're seeing, you know, when these people uh, support these business businesses, the businesses turn around and support the people in a real way versus you know rhetoric. Well, I, I think you're right in a real way instead of rhetoric. So we don't call for boycotts. Uh, well, I would say this. I would say at this point, we don't call for boycotts because we're going to have people like Floyd Mayweather who says, I'm not a follower. I do what I want to do. I don't care about the boycott. We're going to have some of us who are so invested in Gucci, you know, they're so invested. I mean, Gucci Mane, he's so invested in Gucci that it's become part of his identity. He would go through an identity crisis if he tried to boycott Gucci. And and I'm using him as an example of absurdity, but he represents a portion of us. A notable portion that can really prevent us from meeting our um, strategic plans if boycotting is the only plan. So now we go to Gucci and we say, all right, you want everything to be Gucci between you and I? You support this candidate who supports this agenda. You don't have to do it publicly. You support this pack. You support the the, uh, Congressional Black Caucus. You support the Virginia Beach Black Caucus. The Virginia Black Caucus. You support these caucuses. You support these individual independent schools. You support these art outreaches. You support tutoring of these schools and these children that are under that are in underperforming schools. And what we're going to do, Gucci, what we're going to do to make sure it's all Gucci is we're going to promote you. But if you don't do it, your sales for the next three years are going to drop. So we're not going to call for a boycott. We're just going to change our lifestyle. Facts. Facts. 
Right. And so if they don't do it, that's cool. Then we we secretly you know link up with Gucci Mane and say, yo man, it's time for a uh, brand change, bro. <laughs> Gucci Mane, we're going to set you up with your own brand. Ooh. Yeah, you, you, that's what I'm saying. We need to move from trying to use buying power, like you said earlier, to owning power. And when we do that, things will change. That's right. So, so Gucci's not at first going to be like, man, get out of here. We got our own business plan. We have our own uh, plan to address this crisis, our own crisis management team. We're going to do this, this, and this. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, cool. They'll be back with us three years later, and then they'll support our candidates, our PACs, our schools. So, it's not going to happen like that. It's, so, I. And the reason is we got people like Floyd Mayweather who are so tied to Gucci that it's too big of a jump for them to leave Gucci. It's too big of a jump for some people to start searching out the um, businesses that are owned by people that support their causes. Right. And I, I, I think, you know, that was speaking to something you said earlier. Um, <clears throat> if if we look to these celebrity saviors to really um, uh, lead the way and, and, and make a change, it, it won't happen. We have to stay um, in a grassroots mentality. Um, yeah, we have to. We have to. Um, you know what? We can talk at 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 finitum about this. I want to see what we do about it. So, um, take us out of here, Crumb man. Give us some words. Let us know where people can follow you, learn from you. Uh, you know, yeah. Take us out of here, brother. I am your brother, Crumb. I'm your humble brother. I'm the conscious political pundit uh, on social media who uh, comes at every uh, uh, issue from a black perspective. You can follow me on Facebook under Crumb Snatcher One. Follow me on my business page, Crumb TV. That's on Facebook as well. Um, and definitely not, uh, you, you can't forget uh, uh, Instagram, Crumb underscore Snatcher underscore. Doing very big things uh, uh, up there. Uh, and um, last but not least, my uh, my baby uh, YouTube. You can definitely uh, subscribe to me over there. So you know, it's, it's me, your brother Crumb, and I want to thank thank you so much to the gracious host Seiko Varner, DJ Seiko uh, of uh, Fly Guy Podcast. You know, um, giving me the opportunity to uh, work work with such a uh, skilled and dedicated veteran. I'm your brother Crumb. Stay fly. Hey man, I'm about to pass the torch to you, good brother. Salute to all you do and stay. Stay fly. Stay fly. The views expressed on the Fly Guy Podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy Podcast are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated.
Stay conscious. Stay fly. 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 Stay fly.